Making friends with greens is a super important thing because they're so loaded with antioxidants and the nutrients that the body needs to do this repair. And the average person, when you look at the way people eat in their homes at the holidays, and when you look at the way people eat in restaurants, the little green thing is just this little token. The green should be the main part of the meal. 80% of each meal should be something green, something that's loaded with antioxidants and vitamins and minerals. They're low in sugars and they're high in fiber and they're high in phytonutrients that are protective. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Today, we are discussing one of the most toxic relationships in many of our lives, and that's sugar. Now, it has definitely been a toxic relationship in my life in the past. Now, let's be honest. Sugar is like the bad boyfriend that your mom warned you about over and over again, but yet you still dated him. In our modern day society, sugar is almost unavoidable and indistinguishable. Most of the time, you don't even know that you're consuming it, which I think is an incredible outrage because if I'm gonna eat sugar in any form, I want to know about it and I wanna be conscious that I'm making that decision. Now, almost 75% of the food at the grocery store has added sweeteners. And we put these inflammatory producing chemicals into our bodies every day. So it's no wonder we end up feeling terrible with less energy than we started with. Now, today's guest is a dear friend, and I am thrilled to have her expertise on the show. Dr. Rita Marie has been studying blood sugar testing and insulin resistance for over a decade. And she has been super surprised by which foods trigger people to have high blood sugar levels. And here's the kicker. These are foods that you and I would consider very safe to eat. So what's the deal with healthy food triggering higher than normal blood sugar levels? Well, we're going to be tackling that today. Now, over the years, Dr. Rita Marie and I have discovered that by replacing sugar-laden foods with high-nutrient-rich foods and learning which foods each of us are triggered by, so you know, because every one of us is a little bit different, we know that we can begin to experience the benefits not only in our mood, our energy, and even our cognitive function and overall quality of life. And that is exactly what we're looking for and what we deserve. Now, if you are thinking to yourself, how am I ever gonna be able to give up those peanut M&Ms or that 65% chocolate bar at 4 p.m. in the afternoon? I have the perfect solution. When I was struggling with my coffee cravings mid-afternoon, I tried using an essential oil blend that was designed to rewire my brain to banish that craving, and it worked. I have been using my craving blend ever since because I would be lying to you if I said I didn't have cravings today. Now, maybe not today exactly, but definitely this week because we all have cravings. They are often an unmet need like stress, fatigue, and emotional burnout. Now, in order to make it super simple and super easy, banish those cravings that come on in any time of the day, I have created this perfect little craving, stress, and energy cheat sheet, really to manage the cravings and the unmet needs with my best essential oil recipes. Now, I want you to know that this cheat sheet has my coveted recipes along with everything that you need to get started. It is that simple. Now, the link for the cheat sheet will be in the show notes for episode 159, or you can go to drmarisa.com slash cravings and you are all set up. So now that you are set up for success with this incredible resource, I wanna take a moment 
and celebrate you. Every single day, I hear from new listeners who were recommended by you via iTunes, Instagram, even text message. And honestly, that is my favorite way to share podcasts. I just take a screenshot and then I send it to the people that I love. So let's highlight one such listener today. Annie shared a wonderful shout out on iTunes back in December. Here is what Annie had to say. Dr. Marisa covers a variety of topics and she is so informative and gives applicable health tips. I have learned so much about hormones and hormonal imbalance from her podcast and I have a well-rounded idea of some of the different protocols that I can try and the next steps to take in my hormone journey. Thank you, Dr. Marisa. Well, thank you so much, Annie, for sharing your win. I am so happy to shout you out today. Now, if you are listening, Annie, I would love to gift you a signed copy of my book, The EO Hormone Solution, with a personal note from me. This book is filled with all kinds of protocols, no matter what you've got going on when it comes to your hormones. So all you got to do is reach out to me via Facebook or Instagram, or you can reach out to me whatever feels good, and we will send it to you as soon as possible. Now, if you are listening, thank you so much for tuning in. As I mentioned earlier on the podcast, this is all about getting you the answers that you deserve about your body. And if any episode or interview has helped you in any way, I would love to shout you out. You can reach out to me via Insta, Facebook, or simply review this podcast on iTunes. We have over 400 iTunes reviews right now, which is allowing women to learn about this, these episodes, learn about these interviews, and really becoming the CEO of their health. Now, I'm excited to welcome Dr. Rita Marie to share her insights about jumpstarting your energy and shrinking your waist by optimizing your blood sugar. Let's get into it. But before that, I want to quickly sing her praises. Dr. Rita Marie Lascalzo is the founder of the Institute of Nutritional Endocrinology. She combines the ancient healing wisdom of whole foods and herbs with modern scientific research to help people recharge their energy and reclaim their lives. She's a best-selling author, speaker, and internationally recognized nutrition and hormone expert. She offers online courses, coaching, along with in-person classes and hands-on methodology. And you can find her at drritamarie.com. Let's bring her on to the show. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast, Dr. Rita Marie. How are you doing today, girl? Oh, I am so great. Thank you so much for having me here, Marissa. It's such a pleasure to talk to you all the time. And we always get into such great conversations. I can't wait for this. We do. And I am so excited. We're going to be talking about an area that we really haven't connected in with. I mean, it's been mentioned on the podcast over the last year and a half, but I'm so glad that we get to bring on who I consider to be one of the experts in the subject around blood sugar and how blood sugar levels really impact not only our weight, it impacts our energy, it impacts our metabolism, and how to jumpstart our energy by optimizing our blood sugar. Now, I want to know what inspired you to do this work and to really dig into this for the last, I would say, decade or so. So I had been seeing it in my practice, you know, and talking to people about things. And I had started to get people to, to test their blood sugar because I had this feeling that the numbers that they were getting on their annual lab tests were not accurate and that they were having some weird blood sugar swings. So I had them start to test and voila, I got so much great information from it. From there, I was able to help them to customize a plan, the diet plan, the stress plan, et cetera, such that 
they were able to get their sugars under control. And the, the funny thing was after doing that, you know, one-on-one with people for actually a decade and a half, probably by the time I started this program, I decided I wanted to teach this on a, a global level. So I created a program, an online program to teach people how to get their blood sugar in balance. And so and the funny part was right before that, I wanted to teach people, actually show them a video of how do you test your blood sugar and what does that mean? So I went and got a new meter and I got all set up to test and I had this weird experience where I tested my own blood sugar and it was a good number. And then I ate, I go, I'm going to have a bowl of pineapple. Let me see what happens. And I started testing my blood sugar and I found that my blood sugar shot through the roof. And here I was like, oh my God, I'm teaching people about a problem, insulin resistance. And I probably have this problem myself. Look what happened to me when I ate pineapple. It ended up, my blood sugar went up to like almost 170 from just eating a bowl of pineapple. And I watched it with curiosity, like how long it was going to take to come down. And from there, I, you know, I created this program and I helped people and I've been able to really help people to look at those numbers and see what foods affect them. And it's amazing that people who have been on what may seem to most people like a really healthy diet and they're not getting results. They're still keeping that fat around the middle or their hormones are low and their energy's out of balance. Well, <laughs> they start to shift their diet to customize it to their blood sugar results. And voila, the weight melts away, the energy soars, and they get results. So I'm fascinated by it. And the other thing, I'm going to say one more thing, because I think this is important. What I realized in teaching people about blood sugar, yes, important for your energy. Yes, it's important for your weight. But it's also when your blood sugar is out of balance and there's a condition called insulin resistance going on, it's damaging your blood vessels. It's causing inflammation and it's an underlying cause of some of our three, actually our top three killer diseases, heart disease, cancer, and diabetes are all have an underpinning with out of balance blood sugar. And so what I realized was I had two parents who died suddenly very young of heart attacks and they didn't have any diagnosed heart conditions. They didn't have high blood pressure. They didn't have high cholesterol, but they just suddenly died. And as I explored it, I realized we have the genetics for blood sugar imbalance. Like we have a tendency and we have to be careful. And I bet, my guess, no way to go back and tell, that the reason my family members, my mom and my dad in particular, and my sister got cancer at a very young age, had these problems was because of this out of control blood sugar that was creating inflammation and imbalance in the cardiovascular system. Wow. I really appreciate you shedding light on not only how it's impacted your family, but also the greater concern here, because I think people tend to only be concerned about blood sugar if they're concerned about getting diagnosed with diabetes or metabolic syndrome, right? And we're not actually looking at, you know, what does it look like to not only get a sense on a functional level to prevent knowing that these types of long-term chronic diseases can arise, but also looking at the function of the body and where we should be looking with blood sugar levels. Particularly, I know that oftentimes we see insulin resistance really happen with the liver before anywhere else. And so I would love for us to paint a picture of that too. So talk to me why it's dangerous to wait for a diagnosis. Why should we be looking at this way early on so that we are potentially avoiding any particular pitfalls down the road? Yeah. So it's, it's that avoidance. And so what's happening is that conventional medicine will look for diabetes when, and diagnose it when the blood sugar fasting goes into the one twenties consistently. And 
When we look at research, we look and see that the danger signs that happen, the, the side effects of diabetes, the peripheral neuropathies, the blood vessel cloggings, the kidney problems, the, the eye problems, they actually happen at much lower blood sugar levels than when the person has diabetes. And in fact, as soon as the blood sugar starts to go above 90 in the fasting state, the risk of cardiovascular disease quadruples. When it goes over a hundred, we're causing damage to the, to the peripheral nerves. We're causing damage to the small vessels in the kidneys. And when it goes into the 120s to 140s, it's actually causing damage to the retina. So before someone even gets diagnosed with diabetes, they're already developing the complications of diabetes that usually maims or kills people. So wouldn't you want to know that long before you've gotten the diagnosis? Well, even so, like, wouldn't you want to know that if let's say the first sign of this is fatigue, let's just say that that's it. Like, wouldn't you want to know this if you are feeling exhausted and fatigued and it most likely is inner, it's interconnected. Absolutely. And the belly fat is a biggie too. Cause people are like, Oh, it's a nuisance. You know, I got this extra fat around my middle. I have to, you know, get bigger pants. It's more than a nuisance. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. And that's one of the early signs, the fatigue, brain fog, that fat around the middle, other hormone imbalances that we don't quite connect. PCOS, endometriosis, thyroid disruption, cortisol deregulation, um, irregular menstrual cycles. I can go on and on. Everything, everything. And so how do you know if medicine doesn't tell you you have a blood sugar problem until your fasting blood sugar goes up in the 120s, well, there's a lot of ways that you can know a lot sooner than that. And I think maybe people want to know that. I agree. Now talk to me really quickly before we get into like understanding and knowing much earlier on, like how do we, like in, I had another expert, a woman, Molly Carmel, come on and talk about breaking up with sugar. Her new book is coming out, actually just came out. A lot of my audience already knows how I feel about sugar. They definitely know after that episode that just aired not too long ago. And I was so excited to have you on pretty much right after, because I was like, I just really want to nail this. But what is a, as a functional practitioner, you know, your normals are very different than the medical normals. And these are the normals we really want to be looking at. What are the normals we need to be paying attention to? Yeah. So for fasting blood sugar, which is the only thing that medicine ever looks at until you get diagnosed, that is, I think it should be in the low eighties, 80 to 85. If it's lower than that, a lot of times that's great. Even that's even better. And a lot of people who are doing intermittent fasting and ketogenic diets will have much lower fasting blood sugars, but all the evidence that I've seen, the research that bears out and the correlation between the incidences of some of these chronic diseases and blood sugar, low eighties, 80 to 85. Okay. Good to know. Now let's talk about how do we begin to look at blood sugar balance in a different way versus just going to the doctor, looking at that 120 to see if we are getting into the danger zone. What should we be looking out for first? Yeah. Great question. And so all of those symptoms that you've been talking about, and you're kind of doing like what you should be doing to solve them? Do you know what I mean? It's like your energy and you're like, oh, I'm taking ginseng and I'm, I'm using the essential oils and right. I'm <laughs> doing whatever and it's not working. And the calories in, calories out model isn't working. I'm starving myself. I'm eating 700 calories a day and I just can't get rid of this belly, right? Those are some of the key early warning signs. And the brain fog, right? Middle of the day, that exhaustion, feeling hungry after you eat a meal, 
even though you just had a really filling meal, plenty of calories, and you're still like hungry and you just want something sweet on your tongue. something, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just that little something. It's just not complete yet. So those kinds of symptoms, and there's a whole lot more, would be a sign that maybe I should be looking at blood sugar. But personally, I think everybody, as a normal part of testing that people get, usually with their doctors, they get testing every year or two. Early, early on, they should be testing something called hemoglobin A1C. And they should be testing insulin. And those are two things that most doctors will not even test on somebody until after they've become diabetic, because those are ways that they can manage and see if their diabetes is under control. What those two numbers can give you is decades before it starts an indication that there's something out of whack. And my guess is that, you know, a lot of these kids and teenagers are running around and they can't go more than two hours without eating or they're irritable and cranky and they're falling on their faces. They have blood sugar imbalances, probably excess insulin real early on. And that's setting the stage for them to develop what's called insulin resistance. And that's precursor to metabolic syndrome or coexists with metabolic syndrome and then diabetes. And so if we could catch people and early on, when when you're first starting to do testing with somebody, test a baseline and get a fasting insulin and an A1C. Mm. And how easy is that to get? You know, we talk a lot about really demanding and re- and requesting what we want. And when it looks at a functional approach, will we get this from a primary practitioner or do we have to go into the functional world and find that? They're normal tests. They're normal tests. Any okay. practitioner can get them. They run about between 25 and $35 a test, depending on the lab. If you've got somebody who is open-minded, who isn't one of these, you know, pharmaceutical disciples, they will say, okay, it's not going to hurt. I'll do it. Right. If it's in an HMO, they may have, you know, their hands tied because the HMO is only going to pay for certain things, but you can pay out of pocket. I mean, $50 for these two tests combined, really, it's a, it's a, it's a really good investment. Plus there's direct access labs out there. There's direct labs. There's that your lab works. There's a number of them and they're popping up all over the place because there are people who believe that your health is in your own hands and you have a right to directly order whatever tests you want to order for yourself. You don't have to have a doctor's prescription. So it's very easy to get these tests. And when you know how to read them, you can get really early signs that something's amiss. The other thing, which is super inexpensive, is a blood sugar meter. Now, a lot of people have an aversion to pricking their finger. It's not a big deal, but you can actually test at certain intervals after the meal and you get what I call the peak, like the the postprandial peak of glucose. And that will give you a good indication of how much damage is happening. So if after you eat a meal, you know, you go from 85, which was me, you know, 80 to 85 start out. And then after my pineapple excursion, and I found a bunch more foods like that, I was going up to 167, 170. But at two hours, I was back down to normal. So if I got measured and evaluated by a standard medical doctor who says, oh, yeah, as long as you're postprandial two hours after eating is what postprandial means. Two hours after eating glucose is is 140 or less. You don't have a problem. Well, no, if it's 140 two hours after eating, it means it peaked much higher. And all those times, that whole number of minutes or hours that it was high, you're causing damage to your blood vessels thickening of those blood vessel linings, damage to the peripheral nerves, damage to the retinas, damage to the kidneys. And you're just leading yourself down this path plus inflammation, elevated insulin and blood sugar lead to increased C-reactive protein. Don't know if you've talked about that on your show before, but it's a very uh, important inflammatory marker. 
So we do these things and we can get these numbers. And there are some people who've had, you know, they come to my program because they're, they're just tired of this persistent belly fat and they're willing to try anything, even poke in their finger. Right. And so they do this and they get these numbers and they realize that some of their favorite foods, their favorite healthy foods, their gluten-free bread or their gluten-free pasta or their brown rice, or even their pineapple and mango and other foods are raising their sugars, right? Well, I'm eating organic corn chips. They're not GMO, but they're still shooting their sugars through the roof. And so we help them to put together a program that only has them eating the foods that keep it low enough so they can reset their insulin receptors. And then a lot of times they can go back on some of those other foods. They need what I call metabolic reset. Right. Let's talk a little bit about that metabolic reset. And and let me just understand that the key piece here is that we can reset this with food. We we have the ability to reset this with food. Before we get into that, or I just want to just put this out there too. Can we just touch upon in just a moment the implications of stress? We know that stress also raises insulin levels. We know that you know in we have to not only raise cortisol, but that co-creates raising, raising insulin. I tell people that sometimes when you are in a state of perceived stress, it's like eating a cupcake without actually getting to eat it. Yeah, exactly. I, I use candy bar as the example. Okay. <laughs> I call it the candy bar eating effect of stress. And it, I, I've seen it happen in my clients, in my family members, and in myself. And I remember writing a blog post one day, and it, I basically titled it, I ate a candy bar today. Now, those who know me who are in my environment, they're like, she doesn't eat candy bars ever, right? Ever. ever. I know you don't. Right? <laughs> ever. So they're like, I ate a candy bar. That was the name of the email too. I ate a candy bar today. And it, I mean, I got the best open rates on that email. So they suddenly reading about it. I said, well, I didn't get the pleasure of eating the candy bar. But I got the effects of eating the candy bar. And here's what happened. I was, you know, in the state and I had tested my sugar and it was great. And then I got, I lost control instead of doing my heart math and my breathing and doing my things to transform my stress. I let myself go for it. And then I tested my sugar and it was 157. And I was like, I could have eaten a candy bar. I could have eaten a ton of sugar. I could have eaten a cupcake or whatever and gotten the pleasure from it. And instead I just got to scream and yell and get angry. Get upset. I just wanted to talk a little bit about that piece as well. Just a brief moment, because I know so often we don't recognize the massive implication that stress has. And and the reason for that is that when your body thinks it's in survival mode, we, it thinks we need the energy, we need the energy. And so we have to leverage insulin to create that energy for the cells. And I just wanted to mention that I do want to go back to talking about, wow, we can create this transformation with food. If food got us here in the first place, well, food and stress, food and we, stress. Can, we can use, we can create strategies and tools with, you know, to reduce stress levels and to eat a better way, measuring it along the way. So we really have, we really become the CEO of our health here. I mean, we know exactly what foods are lighting us up. We know what foods are, are raising our blood glucose levels, right? And so talk to me about, you know, not only the, when we talked about the idea of measuring and, and looking to see what foods, but what are some of the, can we talk about some of the danger foods? Clearly we know the danger foods, the processed sugars, the processed soda drinks, the juices, all the, we know, I feel like this audience knows the big offenders, but there are offenders, like you mentioned, the autoimmune approved cassava chips, you know, yeah. the, you know, <laughs> you know, the gluten-free bread, all, you know, the things that we are like, oh, this is totally okay. And let's talk a little bit about those things because I think so often we think that those aren't on the list. 
Yeah, they are on the list. Absolutely. Um, so when we look at that, yeah, those cassava, like the Siete cassava chips. Yeah, the Siete at cassava chips. 24 grams of carbohydrate in each one. I'm like, I'm not even trying. You know, if pineapple goes through the roof with me, I'm not even going to try one of these. So it's those kinds of things. And you mentioned juices, right? We know fruit juices, for some people, even vegetable juices. And what I do my trick with, because vegetable juices can be so great, is you have to drink them super slowly. You can dilute them and you can throw some chia seeds in there to slow them down. And then, Would a smoothie work better too? Yes, we have way a, better. Okay, awesome. I was just curious. Way, way better because you've got the fiber to slow it down. Now, like with fruit, though, blended in there, I the only way I can eat fruit and not have, you know, the sweet fruits and not have my sugar go up is I will eat it with a green smoothie, but not in a green smoothie for, for one reason is I want to taste it. So you lose, you want to actually enjoy it. I want to enjoy it. But also when I blend it, it breaks down the fiber and it goes in slowly because you're releasing the sugars. So I, I highly recommend, and we have tons of recipes for savory smoothies, which people absolutely adore. And it gets lots and lots of greens in there with all the fiber. You can put some kind of whole food plant-based fat, like avocado or coconut or hemp seeds or whatever. And it slows it down the absorption. But with the juice, and the fiber same. is good for us in any way. And we are not getting enough fiber. It's a different conversation for a different day. But I just wanted thing. to just mention so that. Yes. So important. Yes. So it's important. So that kind of thing can be like you go out and you get the, you know, the Adwala, whatever green drink, oh, you know, green ma- monster yes. drink. That can be a blood sugar nightmare. Mm-hmm. So it's, you, and you don't, it's know as much as a Coca Cola. If you look at that, I think it's like 25 grams of sugar per half a serving. One of the two servings in that little 12 ounce container, people think that they're buying that green juice at Starbucks or at Vons, wherever you're buying your little Adwala green juice, but look at those sugar grams. Oh my gosh. It's so scary. You, I mean, clearly probably a little bit better than drinking a straight Coke, yeah. but pretty I mean, much you've got a lot of antioxidants in yeah. there. So you got to give it that unless it's pasteurized, in which case it's, well, then, yeah. and I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> and it is, right. Most of those are because they, they have to, to put them in the yeah, bottles. And absolutely. Food, you know? But the other thing is there's so many like alternatives to it. Oh, I don't eat sugar. I eat honey. Um, I eat agave. I eat maple syrup. Uh, honey, those uh, sugar, it's sugar, sugar just as much. It's sugar, 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 sugar. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The ones that are, you know, approved that I have tested over and over. And there are some people who claim that these even will raise your blood sugar. I haven't seen it. And I've got, I work with the most sensitive and the sensitive, including myself is, um, Lohan, uh, monk fruit. As long as you get the pure monk fruit, not the white crystallized stuff, not the stuff that's cut with dextrose or whatever else they put it in, but pure monk fruit extract is uh, amazing. And it has a nice sweet and it has a lot of nutritional values and Chinese medicine uses it a lot. And then stevia. So stevia is another one, but not like a, not the white crystal stuff. There's a lot of people who will say, oh, you know, I've read an article that stevia is not good either. No, that white, anything that's white and crystal in a box, I'm a little concerned about, but I used to grow stevia, you know, stevia growing in my yard and it's, it looks like a mint leaf or you can get dehydrated stevia, you know, green stevia, and you can use that. And it actually has a lot, a lot of nutritional benefits. So as long as it isn't, cause I know we, we Thanksgiving just happened for all, for a lot of us, right. The holidays just happened. And we, a family member really mindful. I'm always very mindful about sugar intake. Actually, I wasn't, I wasn't eating any sugar at all, but they were like, well, just in case we're going to make a little dessert for you with monk fruit, but it was the crystallized. It looked like, it looked like a bag of sugar. And I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know it came like this. I didn't, didn't know, know it came like that. It no. should be brown. It should look and have a little smell, almost like molasses. Um, and it's dark. 
it's definitely yeah, this was not dark. I was like, wow, this is really interesting. I didn't know. And so I was a little skeptical about it. I didn't actually end up eating the dessert anyway, but I was just curious because I thank you so much for because I hadn't dug into the research on that. I, I thought it was very interesting. Thank you for that clarification. So we'll, we haven't, we don't have any sugar in the house. Like we don't even have honey in the house. And like, and you too, I know I mean, we're, we're on the same, but you and I are very much on the same plane. My, my mom and my sister always tell me how boring our house is because there's yeah, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's no, no chips food. here. There's no gluten-free crackers here. There's no bread here. There's no sweeteners here. And they're just like, what are we supposed to eat in this house? And so, what are you supposed to eat? Yeah, yeah, exactly. We use cinnamon to, to so like, I put cinnamon in tea. I put cinnamon in, in coffee. That's what we use as sweetener. In and sweet, cinnamon's good because it actually has the effect of helping support the insulin receptors. So it'll actually make your blood sugar more steady. So that's a good one. But the other thing about that, I want to make sure that people are clear of flour. So it's really not just, you know, gluten flour, it's any kind of flour because you've broken it down and it it just gets right in really quickly. And we're talking about almond flour, less, you know, because a lot of people are doing different flours, aren't even doing grain flours today. Anything that's flour like we should be mindful of. Is that correct? Like if I'm going to use almonds, I'm going to use it. And the other thing, a lot of people are doing baked goods like the keto and paleo baked goods, and they're using almond and coconut flour. When you take a nut or a seed that has volatile essential oils in it and you grind it and put it in a bag, those oils break down and they oxidize. Oxidized fats damage insulin receptors. So we really have to be careful about the fats. I mean, a lot of people use heated, I will not use heated fats. A lot of people are on raw foods diets and I don't think you have to be on, you can steam your vegetables, do whatever you want with them, but don't cook your fats because your fats will oxidize at high temperatures. Coconut's a little bit more stable. Yeah. Um, but I was say a little those bit more. fats will oxidize. So if you're taking almonds and you're grinding it into a flour, putting it in a bag, selling it at the grocery store, who knows when it was broken down, right? How much oxidation's happened, then you're going to put it in something and bake it. Not a good idea. Well, and here's the thing. I want to just speak to this because you and I really land on the, on the gold standard. And I know that there are a lot of, of amazing listeners listening who are like, is there this, is there a middle ground? You know, (laughs) do we have to go full tilt over here? Is there, I know you've worked with so many people and probably people who are just like, "Uh uh-uh, you know, I will only, I will go so far, Dr. Reed Marie especially around the keto treats or especially around the paleo treats, those types of things. Is there room for any of that anytime if we're not in the major danger zone? If you're not, that's the thing. Now, if you're testing your sugars and it doesn't cause your sugar to go up and occasionally you have a paleo almond flour muffin, it's not going to kill you. No big right. deal. Sweetened okay. with monk fruit, you know, but I wouldn't do that on a daily basis. And that's what people do because they're used to having their muffins or their croissants every day. So they're starting to do it on a daily basis. And it may not raise the blood sugar. It may not raise the blood sugar. What it might do is damage the insulin receptors. And so what we're doing in a reset is we're trying to lower the load, you know, that the body's need for making insulin and repair the damage that's already been done to the receptors. The other thing is all of those treats I make the best treats. I have desserts up the wazoo. I did a Facebook live the other day and I taught people how to make cannolis. What? Cannolis. Yes. Cannolis. I need to go back and watch that. Facebook <laughs> <live>. <laughs> and I have a 
picture. I will send you a picture. Oh, that'd be wonderful. Well, I'm, we're going to tell people how they can find you because I love your Facebook life so much. We're not there yet, but I wanted to, to let, to let them know. Cause I, I know. So, you know, as, as we're stepping out and so I think it's such an appropriate episode and, and interview as we're stepping out of the holidays and goodness knows people are probably feeling a little regretful about the decisions that they made. You know, maybe they just ate and they really, they need a reset. They need a little bit of a reboot. And the beautiful thing is, and you know, is that it's possible. We can absolutely lower that insulin resistance. We can reset that set point for ourselves. And that's what I'm really excited for us to talk a little bit about. You know, what does that look like? I mean, first clearly measuring and understanding, but what does that look like to do the reset? Is it cold turkey, no sugar? We're talking about it's all got to go. We're focusing only on proteins, greens, and healthy fats. Yeah. So what I usually do is I transition people. And yes, we do 30 days where you're not eating anything that raises your own blood sugar above a certain amount. Now, if you're already in the diabetic range, of course, we we taper that. I usually shoot for people keeping their blood sugar. Highest peak is 110. You know, if it slips up to 120 once or twice, no big deal. But if they're already diabetic, then we look at foods that don't raise your blood sugar more than 20 to 30 uh, points. So we look at those range. And yeah, sometimes it is all at once, the 30 day reset is, but we guide them into it. So it's a gradual transition. Okay, let's test these foods. Let's remove the obvious, the stuff that everybody should remove. Now let's look at testing and let's lay it out while you're doing some specific burst exercises and doing some stress techniques and sleeping, which is super important and making sure the meals are timed. So we have those five areas that we work on. And then we go, okay, we've done this. We taught you this. You've gotten all this information. Now it's day one of the reset. Let's do it. So we do this reset for 30 days. They have all the guidelines. They have a menu plan for 30 days and you know all this. So it makes it easier. And there's fun foods in there. I mean, you could eat cannolis and doing this seriously. My cannolis, you can do it as long as none of the components are going to raise your sugar. But I think to get that response from the cells, what you're doing is you're teaching the body, hey, you don't need to make so much insulin. Hey, you don't need to make so much insulin. And then it goes down and it doesn't. And, and the lower the output of the insulin is, it's just you know the, the right amount, the damaged cells get to repair. But if you think about it, like say you have a cut on your arm and you don't put anything over it and then you go and you're out in the mud and you're doing the gardening and you're just constantly putting stuff on there, that wound is going to get worse rather than better over time because you're constantly giving it an environment that's damaging to it. Same thing with your insulin receptors. We want the inflammation levels to go down. We want them to be able to repair. We want to replenish the nutrients that they require to optimize their function. And so, yeah, once you get to that 30 days, 30 days is is pretty cold turkey, but it's not really cold turkey. And act, you're not deprived. Nobody on this diet ever said I'm deprived. Like they post pictures and I'm like, wow, this looks more like feasting food than reset food because it's beautiful and it's delicious and you're satiated and people are dropping weight when they do it. Absolutely. 
I look a lot at this and we have some dear friends who really look at, you know, what is it that's driving sugar outside of sugar being an addictive substance? It's one of the things, you know, but also that we know that people are dealing with unmet needs or dealing with these cravings and these urges. And it's usually related to maybe emotional burnout or it's related to fatigue and exhaustion. Like I just need that little thing to get me through the day. Right. And also clearly blood sugar levels there that are being impacted. And then the last thing, you know, being it's stress, right? Stress being that one thing that can also absolutely impact insulin levels in that, let's say someone's decided, okay, I'm going to reset my insulin levels. I'm concerned about my blood sugar levels yet. They're struggling with urges and cravings. Are there, are there things that you recommend to people to help manage that as well? Well, yeah, actually one of the things I have them do, there's an essential oil blend that you know about the slim and sassy that I have them put that in their water and that helps it. I have them take some extra magnesium and chromium, which Mm -hmm. helps them to relay that. But when you're dealing with the emotional, like I just have to have something, we have recipes for like little bonbons and candies that I recommend that they make a whole batch of them and stick them in a container in the freezer. And then when you get that urge, you just grab one of those. And we make those little candies with herbs and foods that actually help to support the repair of the insulin receptors instead of damaging them more. Mm, I love that. It's awesome that you have that in place. I love that you've got something that people can grab. You know, some of my recommendations, clearly essential oils are big. So it can like, knock out that craving. We know that that, that neurological pathway exists. I have people go and take a walk or go and, you know, and, or go journal it out. You know, there's lots of little, little strategies and techniques depending on, on what works for people. I was just curious about that as well. Anything else we should know? Anything that we haven't connected on with? I feel like we've, we've really, you've done such a marvelous job kind of laying out how to get started. Yeah, I think that, you know, making friends with greens is a super important thing. When we talked about green smoothies, and I know you're a big fan of greens. You know, I am. Because they're so loaded with antioxidants and the nutrients that the body needs to do this repair. And the average person, when you look at, you know, the way people eat in their homes at the holidays, and when you look at the way people eat in restaurants, the little green thing is just this little token, right? The green should be the main part of the meal, 80% of the plate, right? 80% of each meal should be something green, something that's loaded with antioxidants and vitamins and minerals. It could be broccoli. It could be, and, and, you know, green, I use loosely because cauliflower is not green and cabbage is not dark green, but still those are loaded with nutrition like that. They're low in sugars and they're high in fiber and they're high in phytonutrients that are protective. And so a lot of that stuff and learning to make them in really delicious, fun ways can be phenomenal. Um, that's I love to teach that. I love to get on video and just share with people how to do those things. I love it. And I think that's really what it is, is how to do it. Because I think a lot of people are like, how do I get this all in? And I, 1%, I recommend a pound of greens a day to help with estrogen regulation, to support hormone balance, to support gut motility. I mean, there's so many big benefits here that we're talking about. But if your concern is estrogen dominance or, or estrogen deregulation, a pound of greens a day is what's going to really help reset that. So I'm so grateful that you mentioned that as well. I think the other thing too is just being really mindful, you know, maybe getting clear on journaling out what you're eating. What are your triggers? Where are you falling off the wagon? Like what part of that day, like you said, there's that habit, the croissants every day or the muffin every day, like getting clarity. I think that first step is self-awareness because so often we don't even realize we're doing it. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Self-awareness is huge. And like you said before, you know, we talked about the craving piece. It's more than just the food piece. And I gave you some ideas with the food and you mentioned like meditation breaks. Heart math is one of my favorite things to do. Taking a walk and I'll tell people, okay, so if you really have that craving for something that you shouldn't be having, have something green first. Just have something green and tell that little monkey mind part of you. Okay. As soon as I finish this green thing, if I still really desire that candy, then I'll go get it. I have this whole strategy. I call the snack attack strategy. What do you do to stave off the, the snack attack demons? And that works phenomenally for people that works so, so well. Part of it is when it is an emotional thing, it's like deprivation and you can't have that. And then there's that little, that voice inside this. Yes, I can just watch me. So when you say, yeah, you can, but first we're going to have this green, we're going to steam up some broccoli or we're going to make a smoothie or we're going to do something salad or some sort and get that handled. And it makes a huge, huge difference for folks. Absolutely. One of my favorite things that Michael Pollan said a long time ago, and I forget which book it was, but he said, when you're having a craving, ask yourself, would I eat an apple right now? And if you wouldn't eat an apple right now, and we can replace that, would I drink a green smoothie right now? Would I, would I have a salad right now? You know, and if the answer is no, then it's, it's something else. It's emotional. Cause I'll tell you, and I tell people all the time, your liver never wanted that Coca-Cola. Your liver never wanted that cupcake. Like it never wanted to have to deal with that. <laughs> your body just thinks of it as an inflammatory attack. As good as it may feel on the taste buds, and goodness knows the food industry has done such a marvelous job, a wicked job oh, wicked, lighting up our dopamine centers. But your, your cells and your, and your liver are just like, it's a no-go. Absolutely. And you know what else is really important is to think about this. When we're getting pleasure from the food, the only time it's pleasant is in your mouth. Once it goes down into your stomach, the pleasure is gone because the taste buds are in your mouth. So if we can lengthen the amount of time that it's in our mouth and we go through this whole strategy of how do you like meal hygiene. So the longer it's in your mouth, the smaller the bite, the more lo the longer you chew it, the longer it's going to last and the more the pleasure is going to be there. So when we're sitting there going, I just need more and you're scarfing down this whole bowl of ice cream and you basically inhaled it and barely tasted it. You can extend your pleasure from the food. Even if you're eating something, you know, you shouldn't. I remember this was Dean Ornish. I met him ages ago, decades ago. And he said to me, you know, I'm not perfect. Sometimes I just really want that piece of chocolate or that whatever. He says, I give myself the first bite and the last bite because those are the best, right? That first bite, you're like, oh, and then you inhale the rest. And then that, oh, there's none, no more. And then you take your time with the last bite. Make every bite your first and your last. Mm, so, so powerful. I love that. It's such a great strategy. It is so true. We were just a little side note, you know, we were just in Maui for three weeks over December and we were looking at reviews for this really lovely restaurant. And we saw, my husband saw a review where it was a two-star review and basically they had ordered all this food and they talked about how amazing the food was, but they ordered these like lava coladas, like where they, it's all the puree. I mean, like the desserts they were ordering and ultimately, so they had this beautiful glowing review. It's a two-star review. And at the end they're like, the food was great, but the restaurant gave us 
bad stomach. We had bad stomach issues. We felt so bad after eating at this restaurant. And as I'm looking at the coconut shrimp and the lava coladas and this big mud pie dessert, I'm like, you realize that what you ate <laughs> is the reason why you don't feel good. You know, I don't know if it was the restaurant or not, but I was like, that was a guarantee setup that you were going to feel pretty crappy at the end of that meal. And it's, but they weren't connecting the dots. They just thought that the restaurant had done this to them. Oh, that's hysterical. Yeah. It's just recognizing, right? Recognizing those. I just want to say thank you so much. Now you have got, we were talking about this little gift you have. You've got this amazing little gift because I know people are like, okay, well, what are the foods that I should be eating? And you have a gift that the, the belly fat busting foods. This is a free little gift that you've created for us. Is there anything we should know about it? Yeah, it's basically, we call it a checklist, but it's way beyond a checklist because it's this beautiful thing. It has pictures of all these foods with a little description. It's very colorful. You can laminate it and put it on your refrigerator and it gives you foods that help to restore insulin sensitivity. And because I'm a science geek, I love to explain why. I even give you a little description. So I'm not just saying, eat this, eat that. I'm saying, this is why it has this particular chemical and this chemical causes this or that. So it's a, it's a several pages. And then at the end, there's just a, a short list of what you shouldn't be eating. And so that's my gift to you. Awesome. Yay. I'm so excited to put this in. This is going to be in the show notes, you guys, so you can go and grab it. Now, where else can we find you? Well, my main website is drritamarie.com. Uh, need some updating. Um, <laughs> we are on Facebook. Um, we have an Instagram. So doc, Dr. Rita Marie on Instagram and Facebook. I'm around. I do a lot of Facebook lives. I do it in my kitchen. We have the Unstoppable Health Community, which is a Facebook group, a private Facebook group, where I do most of those videos. And it's a very active community, very, very, very active community. And uh, everybody's always sharing and caring. Wonderful. Well, I just want to say thank you so much. Gosh, it was such a great, great interview. I mean, you know your stuff inside and out. I'm really excited for people to go and check you out to learn more. And I'm really grateful that you've given us so much insight into what we need to be looking out for so much earlier on, you know, even, even in our children, even, you know, even in our teenagers, things to be looking out for, if we're starting to see some of those signs. Great. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a joy. Absolutely. You too. Have a wonderful day, honey. I'm not going to lie. I really loved Dr. Rita Marie's strategies for managing cravings. She and I both recognize the devastating impact that sugar has on our body and finding solutions to manage cravings is such a big part of that battle, especially if you're concerned about insulin resistance and your blood sugar levels. I also appreciate her emphasis on measuring your blood sugar after eating certain foods to figure out and dial in which foods trigger you specifically because each and every one of us are different depending on our genetics, our environment, and the foods we've been consuming. Now, this may really surprise you, but I highly recommend definitely trying that out. It definitely surprised Rita Marie and myself. Now, if you've been thinking about decreasing your sugar intake and reducing your belly fat with foods that would support your metabolism, I want to recommend and invite you to grab Rita Marie's Belly Fat Busting Foods Cheat Sheet. It's going to be in the show notes for $159. And if you are looking for that craving cheat sheet as well, for those unexpected cravings and urges that can, let's be honest, happen out of nowhere, whether it is 11 o'clock in the morning or 4 o'clock in the afternoon or 11 o'clock at night, those cravings come out of literally nowhere. 
So I have that little cheat sheet for you. Those oils are so potent and so powerful. I know you're going to get the results that you love there. Both links are going to be in my show notes for episode 159. Or you can go to my website at drmarisa.com slash podcast where you can pull up episode 159 with all the links in there. Well, thank you so much for stopping by and listening into the Essentially You podcast today. On the upcoming episode, I am excited to bring on a dear friend, Dr. Becky Campbell. She's actually been on the show before to talk about thyroid health, and she's going to be jumping on today or later on this week to talk about how to identify histamine intolerance and how to overcome it naturally. Now, this is a topic that people have been asking me to speak on for quite some time, and I wanted to find that right expert to bring really a big awareness to a topic that a lot of us are still confused about and don't have a lot of answers to. I even have a cousin who's been dealing with histamine intolerance and it got misdiagnosed for almost a year. So I'm excited to be able to bring her on and really shed light on this topic that I feel like we need to know more about. So I hope you join us on the next episode. Until then, have an amazing day. 